0: You're tuned in to the Nonprofit Chatter, brought to you by Nonprofit Pro with our friends at Pursuant. New T and Taylor Shanklin are getting real and sitting down with nonprofit leaders to chatter about issues affecting nonprofits today. Be sure to subscribe to us in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss these conversations with your nonprofit peers. And check us out on the web at nonprofitpro.com slash podcast slash nonprofit hyphen chatter.
1: Hey everyone, and welcome to the Nonprofit Chatter podcast hosted by me, New T, Editor-in-Chief of Nonprofit Pro.
2: And I'm Leah Davenport. I serve as Marketing Manager here at Pursuant, and I'm excited about our guest today, New.
1: Awesome. So the Nonprofit Chatter will give you an insider's look on the most pressing challenges facing nonprofit leaders, and fundraisers today, and we're going to talk about how nonprofits can overcome those challenges. In each episode, we'll engage in invigorating conversation with industry leaders and find out what tools and tactics nonprofits need in their repertoire to make their vision become a reality. All right, so in today's unpredictable climate, we thought it would be timely and necessary to open up a conversation regarding how nonprofits are responding to the COVID-19 pandemic. In episode number 17 of the Nonprofit Chatter, we've recruited the Virginia Hospital Center Foundation to share how its fundraising team has responded to the pandemic and what lessons they've learned along the way. With that said, I'm going to pass the torch to you, Leah, to introduce our remarkable guest for today's show.
2: Hey, thank you, New. Um, As I said earlier, I'm excited about our guest today. Um, we are joined by Marshall Ginn, and Marshall serves at the Virginia Hospital Center Foundation, which from now on I'll refer to as the foundation. And we are also joined by David Sacchetti, who is our um, one of our awesome strategists here at Pursuant. And David and Marshall work closely on the fundraising strategy for the foundation. And we're going to be talking today about how the foundation has responded to the COVID-19 pandemic Um, as a hospital center foundation. They are right on the forefront Um, and so, I'm really looking forward to some of the insights that we're going to be learning from them today. David, we're excited to have you on the podcast. Um, You and I have worked together at Pursuant for a few years now, and you came on to the Virginia Hospital Center Foundation account recently. Um, Could you tell me a little bit just about yourself and your experience fundraising um, and just a little bit about your work with the foundation?
0: Sure thanks Leah and I'm really happy to be here and getting the chance to talk with you um guys and Marshall today uh, I um I have a long um history within the nonprofit um, industry myself. I um, have a a little over 20 years um, of experience. I started my career out in up in the Boston area at another um, agency that worked with nonprofits and have over the years um, worked with a large number of national nonprofit organizations on their direct response programs, both mail and digital, and um, then had the opportunity to move over to the nonprofit side and spent about a decade um, with a nonprofit working on their marketing, fundraising, and branding Um, Before coming back to Pursuant about a little over three years ago and back to the agency side. And since I've been with Pursuant, I've been uh, working with a number of organizations on both their digital and mail programs and engaging uh, donors at uh, various levels um, throughout the Giving Pyramid and joined um, the team leading the strategy for our engagement with the Virginia Hospital Center Foundation at the beginning of this year.
2: Uh, Marshall, um, could you introduce yourself a little bit about your background and um, tell us what's life at the foundation like right now?
3: Well, thank you Leah, it's it's good to be here, I appreciate the chance to talk with uh, our friends at Pursuant and uh, all the help they've been giving us at the foundation. I have actually been in the nonprofit field uh, for a little over 30 years, Um, actually healthcare philanthropy is pretty new to me, I've been here at Virginia Hospital Center Foundation about two years. And, uh, but before that, um, I had an independent consulting practice for about 18 years, and I have worked with uh, local, regional, and national organizations, um, helping them in fundraising, in good nonprofit management, um, philanthropy, uh, all, all kinds of projects from you know, capital campaigns to major gift campaigns. Uh, I also have been an active volunteer in the fundraising world. Uh, For many years I was on the board of the AFP Foundation for Philanthropy, so I got to raise money from other fundraisers, which was a fun and interesting challenge. So, everyone wants to know how life is over here at Virginia Hospital Center. Uh, I will say, in short, it's going well. Um, We are very focused. We are very, very intense. Virginia Hospital Center you know, has a great plan, and we've been working it. Um, we've taken lots of steps to ensure the safety of our staff and of the patients, um, and we're doing we're doing good. Um, we have adequate supplies. Um, we've had very, very, very few uh, members of the staff actually get sick uh, via you know, exposure from a patient. Um, we've restricted access to the hospital. We're we're taking temperatures of everyone that walks in the door. Um, so we've been doing all that. We've got social distancing in place. And we're even now beginning to open up our, the hospital to regular procedures. So folks are now beginning to come back. Um, again, it's the new normal. Uh, people are learning how they have to sit and wear a mask when they come into their doctor's appointments. Um, and our doctors are also using telemedicine quite a bit. Uh, Lastly, and related really to the conversation we're having today, the community has been incredible with its support and well wishes. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of businesses and individuals and families have been stepping forward with, with gifts of encouragement, of food and materials. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's just been extraordinary. And the foundation has been the, the, the central intake for all donations. So, If any member of the community had an interest in supporting the hospital or helping us out, it came to us, and then we would kind of distribute the various requests out to various teams who were handling materials and meals or financial contributions. That was really our job. Um, And it's just been extraordinary. In fact, you know, today, I mean, actually, I think they're still outside my office, uh, a local catering company is here delivering about 1,500 meals two hospital staff today and so there's a whole team of people shuttling meals all over the hospital so it's been an interesting time but we're we're doing okay and uh and i appreciate um you're asking leah
1: well that's great marshall it sounds like you guys are doing a really great job kind of navigating this new landscape rather very unpredictable um so great So we want to talk about how your team, it reacted so fast when COVID-19 came about. So in working together with Pursuant, what pivots did you make to quickly react to the situation?
3: Well, we knew we had to pivot and we knew that we couldn't just operate in the same way. We actually, you know, we had a plan. We were getting ready to launch planning for our annual gala. You know, we had a schedule of mailings that we were uh, working on with Pursuant. So, you know, we did have a plan, but we realized pretty quickly that we had to change our course. And, frankly, one of the very first phone calls we made was to Pursuant to see what could we do immediately. Um, and so, you know, we, we worked with them and we got a, an email out. Uh, it was pretty like towards the end of March, I think, David, wasn't it?
0: Yes. Yes, that's correct.
3: So we were able to quickly put out a, you know, the world is changing and the hospitals are in the middle of it and, you know, we need your support right now. And so we launched uh, our COVID-19 appeal uh, pretty darn quickly. And it began to show results, you know, almost, you know, almost immediately. I mean, I think, you know, David, you all were actually were, were pleasantly surprised with how quickly and the good response we had, right?
0: Yes, uh yeah, it, it was um it it was uh, an opportunity, you know, really uh, with a silver lining in terms of allowing us, you know, the chance to speak to the constituents of the foundation in um an, in a timely manner um and and express their gratitude and the support. Um, that the community had been outpouring and that the, the hospital center um, had been receiving. And so it was uh, a, a, the good, a good opportunity for us to um, go back to them to um, share support and solidarity, and that you know Virginia Hospital Center is in this with the community and working together. Um, to to help um, support those affected by uh, the pandemic within the community, and also safeguarding the health and well-being of everyone in, you know, the Arlington County area, um, with um, you know continuing to provide support not only on the front lines related to the pandemic, but just with health in general
3: absolutely and and we had to quickly fit this in into an existing plan. I mean, I think we had just we had just put out our i think our doctor's Day appeal, and we were planning another springtime appeal, so we quickly had to fit this in. you know how quickly could we put together a list and an email text and get it out the door? Um, so it was actually a pretty quick turnaround, so which which was helpful. We were able to quickly not only pivot, but actually do the thing we were pivoting to go do, so.
0: And, you know, it really required us to be very um, nimble and very flexible. And so, you know, with with the way that we approach our work with our clients at Pursuant is very methodical and, you know, really utilizing, you know, Uh, data and analytics to drive all of our decisions and sometimes you know that's a you know bit of a regimented process that unfolds over the course of a couple of months as we're planning you know campaigns out across you know an entire fiscal year and so this really resulted in us having to have the flexibility not only within the agency at Pursuant to shift um, and and um, engage our agency resources to support the strategies that we were changing um, very quickly, but also having Marshall and his team at the foundation be able to work with us and and be flexible and respond quickly and look at copy and design and materials and, and really work together as one cohesive team with the goal of getting communications out as quickly and as effectively as we could.
3: Absolutely, and it really worked out well. I mean, you know, David's right. We were able to kind of quickly all get on the same page, and it was actually very, very seamless. From at least from my perspective, we were able to get this mailing out. Meanwhile, as I mentioned, we actually were planning a springtime appeal, so you know, we we kept on fundraising. We also, you know, we knew we couldn't just stop fundraising. I mean, that's one of the things we certainly have learned. time Big things like this happen in, in the world uh, you know and, and i 'm reminded of you know the nine eleven is the, is the the thing that keeps getting raised for those of us who've been doing this long enough to remember that one of the big rules was don 't stop don 't stop fundraising and so we were able to fit this in, and I think kept it pretty seamlessly, even still adding things as we went along. I mean we had a, a regular appeal plan for May, but then pursuant said hey the the, the, the world is putting out this you know, giving Tuesday now, let's add that as a component because we want to take advantage of this opportunity. And so we said, sure. So we ended up having kind of a pre-email push, then the letters, and then a follow-up email push for this spring appeal. Um, And, again, I I think we've been able to keep it pretty seamless as far as, you know, what our constituents are seeing and getting from us.
0: Yeah, and what was interesting is that, you know, I I have actually been with Pursuant for a little bit over three years now um, in, you know, the role of Director of Client Strategy and um, I, I, I've actually only been working with Marshall since the beginning of 2020. Um, I had, uh, they, the foundation has been a longstanding client of Pursuant, um, but the uh, uh, strategists uh, left the organization and I, um, I took over the mantle of leading uh, fundraising communications and partnership with Marshall and started in January and It was trial by fire, and for us to build that um, cohesive, close, team-oriented relationship uh, very quickly because we were faced with, you know, not business as usual pretty quickly after we started our uh, relationship. So...
3: And we haven't stopped moving since you started in January. So <laughs>
2: right. right.
3: Definitely been, it's definitely been, uh, been uh, going, going pretty quickly. But, you know, and we've been pleased with the, the results. And you know, as you can imagine, you know, we're watching all of the returns, both you know, how many gifts are coming in and what kind of levels of gifts are coming in via the email, via our, our, the, the, the springtime appeal. And overall, you know, the, the story is a, is a good one. I mean, one thing that you know, I, it was almost an afterthought for me when we sent out this email appeal, the the first immediate one. You know, we put a little teeny piece, not just a here, click on this button, and you can give you know fifty dollars or a hundred dollars, but I left a little box that said, if you would like to share words of encouragement with the hospital staff, please do so here. And so, in addition to the gifts, we got this extraordinary amount of gifts of words of encouragement. In fact, for several weeks, every week I was sending out to the entire hospital staff a list of all of these great quotes from people who said, you know, you are our heroes, thank you for being there, congratulations for st- you know, keeping us safe, All that. I mean, it was just it was extraordinary. So we were getting this as well as financial contributions. From this yeah. appeal, and um, yeah, it, it was just it was it's been extraordinary.
0: So. Yeah, that's right, Marshall. And I think what you know, one of the reasons why our you know campaign was so successful is because. It demonstrated some of what you were describing. So, you know, we worked so collaboratively with you that you were able to share with us some pretty powerful images of um, solidarity. So photos, you know, of people who had lawn signs up supporting Virginia Hospital Center, um, you know, pictures from the testing site for COVID-19. That was set up in Arlington County that we were able to incorporate into our communications that really kind of, I think, brought it home for those that were receiving these communications that we're all in this together. And, you know, this is your chance to step up and support your community through this very challenging time. And we did see, Marshall's right, we saw um, increased open rates to all of our digital communications increased click-through rates people engaging with the content wanting to learn more and clicking off to uh the donation page where they could consume you know additional content around what the um, hospital was doing to support the community and then certainly make a gift and that you know resulted in several uh pretty substantial gifts from uh which we wouldn't typically see through a direct response communication uh digital communication um and so that really led us to do some long term and by long term i mean a couple of weeks, <laughs> thinking yep. thinking of um, new approaches to how we could build on that success, and that had led to um, this project that we're currently doing around grateful patients, with with Marshall is um, you know leading for the foundation, uh, where we're working together. To utilize the data and analytics of the Pursuant Giving DNA platform to take a look at all of the grateful patients that have come through the Virginia Hospital Center in 2018, 2019, and qualify that list to identify the best prospects for not only a general-level mailing to acquire them as donors, but a smaller subset of those that show, um, you know, some opportunity for either a mid-level or major gift that Marshall and his team will follow up on a proposal package that we're developing that he can begin to build relationships with, which will hopefully lead to larger gifts um, to acquire these grateful patients as donors.
3: Yeah, it's a big project. And uh, we're just at the beginning of that and are uh, looking forward to seeing what the results are. I'm uh, mobilizing members of the staff uh, that we can have these telephone follow-up calls happening in July and August and probably even into September. Um, it's, we've done a little bit of, in, you know, sort of internal testing in that we have had a member of the hospital staff who's been working with the foundation who's actually been calling some of our, our current donors um, and reaching out with, we have called them well-checked calls, just to see how they're doing. And overall, everyone is very, very happy to be called. Um, People enjoy the fact and appreciate, rather, the the fact that we're reaching out to them and being in touch um, with them. It's generated new gifts. It's generated goodwill. It's helped us get some updated contact information, which is also useful. And between that and the fact that this COVID-19 appeal that we've been talking about has generated more than 350 first-time gifts to the hospital. And so you know, we're we're clearly on to something, and we're clearly tapping into something. So I feel very confident about what this big patient outreach mailing and outreach is going to accomplish for us, because uh, we think they're going to respond well. Um, you know, the the COVID-19 has actually given us this interesting opportunity. I mean, it's sort of the hook for why are we doing this now? And so you know, a patient who was here two years ago, isn't necessarily going to say, why are they reaching out to me? Well, everyone understands because the role of the hospital has been front and center in the news, you know, everywhere you look, so I think it's going to feel like a logical outreach. I think folks are going to appreciate the opportunity to, you know, give to their community hospital um, and, you know, learn about, we'll use it as a way to communicate things that we're working on, so I, I think it's going to be a winner all around. I just got to assemble a team of callers for later in the summer. Uh, you know, the, the team over here, we keep joking that, you know, everything is old as new again. I mean, th- th- parts of this feel very retro, the whole idea of a mailing and then a phone bank with people <laughs> calling. It's like the old-fashioned college <laughs> annual fun call. But we've learned, and even, uh, at, you know, one, another, someone else at, at Pursuant even said, you know, mail, like paper mail, you know, and telephone calls are now the disruptors.
0: Right. You know, whereas you know,
3: email communication used to be the you know the cutting edge. Now people are at home, and they're picking up the phone. So which has become the 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 new get them in that you know get them in and catch them in ways we never were able to you know catch them so yeah. that they're there and want to listen and they want to talk and they're happy yeah. to talk to someone. So yeah,
0: that's right. That's absolutely right. And you know, beyond. Our work with the foundation with um, some of my other clients and other pursuing clients is, you know, we have seen dramatic increases of, you know, up upwards of 20 to 30% increases with phone campaigns, um, things like response to broadcast voice messaging um, to text messaging and um, and and really the digital and email communications as well because people are at home they have they're bored they you know may have gotten through everything on Netflix that they want to watch and they're you know scrolling through social media and they're seeing paid ads and they're seeing you know the things that nonprofits are sharing via all of our digital channels and they're engaging and they're responding especially if the content is focused and relevant and feels current and doesn't feel toned deaf.
3: actually, that's a, a, a great point, David. Uh, when we were looking at inserting this COVID appeal via email right at the you know, end of you know, it was the end of March, but we knew we were planning the the springtime appeal, we realized we did have to do a little bit of tinkering with the text of that you know while we weren't just going to make everything a COVID-19 appeal we also did not want to seem tone deaf so we Mm knew you know we had to alter even the text of the the sort of the upcoming mailings and even frankly the newsletter which is going to hit people's mailboxes next month we had to again insert just enough you know COVID related things so that it looked authentic it looked timely and it didn't look like we weren't paying attention to what's going on so that was a, a helpful right
0: of it, so yeah yeah you're absolutely right marshall um you know it in in it it really necessitated us taking a look holistically at the entire fundraising program the whole direct response program and looking at you know mm-hmm. other Scheduled communications or camp- specific campaigns that we weren't putting back on the shelf and replacing with something specific for COVID, but tweaking them um, so that they felt appropriate um, during, you know, our current time time living through this pandemic together.
3: And certainly, when we look at this big patient outreach and we're going to possibly be sending letters to, you know, 20,000 people or more. Well, I mentioned earlier that COVID-19 was the rationale or gave us a, a clear rationale for why are we calling today. We are now beginning to pivot that, the, our general message to look beyond COVID. So the conversation we have, hope to have with these former patients is, this is why we're talking to you now, but don't forget, you know, you've got this amazing resource, this amazing community hospital that relies on community support. Um, it's right here, and we've got a going on, and you know, we're getting ready to, you know, we're building a brand new building that's still going on that will open in 2022 on a brand new parking deck that will open next year. So the work goes on, and so we're, we're hoping to then begin to turn that vision slightly further down the road uh, as we start to have conversations uh, with, you know, current and former patients and, you know, current and even lapsed donors. So, we're 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 continuing to to pivot lots of different directions. So. That's
0: right. Yeah, Marshall, that's a great point, and you know, it 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 really illustrates uh, the fact that everything else that was going on and the need that existed to begin with before the pandemic is still there, right? Um, and I think, you know, hospitals in particular have faced a really tough time through this, not just because they're on the front lines of um, fighting the pandemic, but but that a lot of sources of revenue have decreased dramatically um, where, for other things that are not related to treating patients that are suffering from COVID-19. And, you know, that, that, um, you know, Spring uh, campaign that Marshall was referring to is actually our like annual fund campaign. And so that was the place where we felt like it was very important to remind everyone that You know, the hospital foundation needs funds to, you know, continue all of the great work that they were advancing and that Marshall had mentioned Um, and that, you know, we had to almost do, you know, two things at one time fighting the pandemic and all the costs that incurred with, you know, setting up a a drive-through testing facility and retrofitting ICUs and things of that nature. Uh,
3: Exactly, David, and I again, looking forward, and, and I've actually heard you know, from my boss, he's talking to other hospitals and other hospital foundations throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia, most of them and we are beginning to also turn our attention to the patients who have had to put things on hold. I mean, so unfortunately, because all these hospitals, you know, we've had to, you know, reduce the amount of elective or eliminate elective procedures for quite some time, there are folks who are struggling with, you know with cancer and or orthopedic procedures. I mean, there's a range of, you know, there's a range of things that are, that are, are going on now that we're gonna to have to continue to address going forward. I mean, it's, it's almost sort of a, a, you know, second part of the overall conversation that, okay, we're, we're getting back to business and we need to make sure that we are right there to take care of those patients. I mean, I think the only thing that we didn't stop while we were, while we were having the pandemic was moms are still coming here to have babies.
0: Right. And that still happened, and
3: there was plenty of protection, and and everyone, you know, they still could only have one visitor. In fact, I had one mom say that it was actually sort of relaxing. In fact, they didn't have, like, the entire family show up in the room, kind of see the babies. So it was an interesting uh, silver silver lining for that. But we know that, you know, all the hospitals are trying to figure out what's sort of this new next message um, because I know that, you know, there is going to get to be a little bit of you know COVID appeal fatigue. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure everyone, I'm sure a lot of nonprofits are facing that. You know, it, you know, it, it it works for a while. You want to continue to mention it, but at the same time, it can't be the the driving force. I mean, again, I'm I'm reminded of the post 9/11 years where, you know, at a certain point, nonprofits you know could no longer keep saying you know well because of 9/11 where our budget's gone and we need your help right. you know, with funds so I, I but it's still you didn't want to completely ignore it because then you know you do you look tone deaf and and unsensitive to the situation so okay. we're yeah. working through that uh going yeah. forward you know, frankly just like you know i'm, I'm hoping that all uh, you know, all the nonprofits are doing too so
0: yeah i think there were uh, several things that surprised me um through this or that were, you know, silver linings to, I guess, having to go through this and deal with this, you know, um, one of the things that really um, struck me was the ability um, for you guys to share real and authentic uh, photographs and images that yeah. have just really transformed our digital communications and are m- gonna make an impact on our upcoming communications in the mail uh, around the grateful patient outreach, which we talked about earlier. And that really prompted, you know, you guys to actually, you know, bring in a photographer right now to capture even more authentic imagery um, that we'll be able to use well beyond the uh, the pandemic.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And we've had to embrace you know, all kinds of, you know, technology and, and again, we're relying so much now on, you know, the visual image is important because, you know, you're you're still even in fundraising, we're still trying to create that experience for a potential or current donor and we can't do it by having us all in a room together. Uh, but we can certainly use, you know, images in a newsletter or a letter, you know, we're we've been doing um, weekly uh, WebEx meetings where our chief medical officer and our chief nursing officer have essentially been briefing. It's, it's our donors have really been calling in, but we've had, you know, 30, 40, 50 people call in every single week to hear this 30-minute broadcast, and then on, in June, we're actually doing a hour and a half long stakeholder briefing and virtual tour where we're going to have someone who's going to be producing it for us we'll have clips that'll be taped ahead of time we'll have a live you know medical panel and we'll put all this together to create an experience for what we hope will be a lot of people who will call in and will log into the you know to the Webex platform and see this thing so yeah, we're having to learn how to create new kinds of experiences <laughs> or authentic experiences rather, you know, yeah. for people to still feel connected to Virginia Hospital Center. Uh, and I said I, right. I know, I mean, I will say, one of, you know, talk about silver linings. I was actually speaking to a colleague for uh, an organization in another part of the country that supports one of our national parks, and they have an annual gala that happens in August which is not going to be able to happen because the park is, hasn't even quite opened yet. But he realized that this was actually a chance to shake up the model, that you know, it, you know, this yeah. didn't need to be an event that was solely for major donors. Um, he was, they're going to do an appeal and try to invite others at all kinds of giving levels and broaden the, the, the number of people who can get involved in this way. So I think yeah. people are finding. You know, we here at Virginia Hospital Center and other nonprofits are finding ways to see the, the you know the silver lining and the opportunity that this has created, and it really is incumbent upon us to capitalize on it and, and you know and use it and go with it. so Yeah,
0: I agree, Marshall. And I, you know I think that it has allowed us the opportunity to con- you're right, to connect with the sort of general level direct response donor in a way that we haven't in a long time. So, you know, where, where you're, um, you know, Having more one to one or more personalized communications with a mid level or major donors um, and keeping them, you know, close in terms of relationship, this provided us an opportunity to go to those general level donors to really feel solidarity and that they were, you know, in this with the foundation and it was a good opportunity to support the work and feel like they're contributing to making their community a safer healthier place through this pandemic and that's the true value i think to to this that i hope will carry us forward in building you know, stronger um, appeals to to these, you know, direct mail and direct response digital donors?
3: Oh, of course. And I think that it's now incumbent upon us, just like, again, all the other nonprofits that are taking this this uh, approach is we now have to steward these new donors. I mean, you know, uh, as all of us know, and whether, you know it, whether it's in direct response or any kind of fundraising, getting that second gift in is going to be yeah. critical. So it really okay. is now... On us to engage these donors. Uh, it just, you know, it, it just reminded me of the, now not terribly many years ago, the, you know, the remember the ice bucket challenge. You know, again, yeah. national phenomenon. This was an interesting and fun one as opposed to what we're dealing with now. But it caused all this influx of new donors who are stepping up and doing this and dumping ice on their heads and all that. But again, it was how many of those donors were those were, were they able to keep and, and right. retain? And again, I think we're going to be faced with that. I think we're going to be able to do it, uh, but we have to really focus in our communications, on our outreach, um, and and our stewardship of these donors over the next several months, so that they are ready to give that next gift and be, you know, ongoing supporters, um, you know, of the, of the hospital. So I, that's going to be, I think, a critical piece for us going going forward. So it's, in fact, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting in. David, and you know, we're all big into analytics, yeah. is when all this is done, you know, w- what will this look like on paper? You know, what, yeah. what's the PowerPoint yeah. deck going to look like to talk about
0: yeah. donor
3: engagement and donor outreach and responses from, you know, yeah. this part of 2020? It's going to yeah. be very interesting, I think.
0: I think so, too. I think um, I think it's really going to be interesting to, you know, look in the rearview mirror and even now, you know, with the benefit of a little bit of hindsight, I think, you know, I guess my takeaways or the, you know, advice that I would give to others is you know what what is you know the next kind of right thing to do and i feel like you've gotta be authentic right and Absolutely. that you know plays into uh everything that we've talked about related to the imagery related to the copy and how we engaged these individuals um and Don't seize up. Don't stop fundraising. Don't stop communicating with your constituents, even if you feel like your mission isn't directly tied to what's happening, you know, with the pandemic uh, specifically, like, you know, it would be for the foundation. Um, You know, people are Feeling empathetic right now. People are feeling, you know, that they want um, an opportunity to support, you know, um, and help others.
3: I mean, that's great, David. I think, you know I, you know, I think as a kind of a parting shot or, you know, last word, I think it's important that any nonprofit, so anyone listening to this who might be with a small nonprofit or, a, you know, or even a large nonprofit, I, I think these are some of the big lessons that, you know, stay authentic, stay real, you know, be present to your folks, even if things are getting tough, but don't go away, you know, don't stop communicating, Uh, and then continue to be nimble, you know, even while you're looking at your current plan, but be flexible. And I think, again, that any nonprofit, regardless of their size, I think can, can follow, hopefully can follow that advice.
2: David and Marshall, you have gone through most of the questions that New and I had for you <laughs> and did it so, such an organized fashion. I, I've just been sitting back and enjoying <laughs> you conversation. I agree. Uh, yeah, I know. i you I'm think, just like, you I'm think like you'd like be doing this all the time, cash. you
3: know? <laughs> David and I are still getting used to learning how each other works. I mean, so I'm, I'm, this was fun for me because we, we were able to get a, you know, we really did not plan it. We were using the same notes, but we didn't mm-hmm.
0: plan it. So, yeah, the so one well, thing but... that Marshall and I have bonded on is the fact that we could go on and talk about stuff like this for hours. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes.
2: I well, mean, I could thing... listen to you guys. Go ahead, New. <laughs> I was just going to say, the great
1: thing is that you guys play off each other so well and there's so much like organic chemistry and it was really fun listening to you guys talk.
2: Yes, for sure. I think um, I just have kind of one final kind of wrap-up question. And um, I wanted to touch back on sort of two uh, two kind of topics. So you guys already went through this, this idea of, you know, what is the next right step? How do we continue to steward donors? But something else you said really sparked some thinking for me. And in one of our prep calls, Marshall, you mentioned that um, you know, you've got a pretty small team um, at the foundation when it comes to your fundraising. But one of the things that you did in this calling program that you started was leveraging some of the staffers at the hospital who, you know, they might not ha- have as much work to do right now if they're not right in the COVID ward. Um, and there's also all, all of these um, elective procedures that aren't happening. So you kind of had this like bank of people who had some time who could um, be really personal relevant touch points for your donors and so that's kind of one sort of takeaway that I see is these are the people that are actually serving the people that you're asking for money and so that is incredibly powerful when you think about it because it is one step closer to you know that, that donor experience is experiencing those people that are serving them. Um, So I'd love for you just to kind of maybe use that as an angle to bring us home, uh, to kind of bring this conversation home. Um, How can, how can nonprofits take some of the things that you guys have learned through this experience and, you know, um, increase, that donor affinity for the organization in the stewardship efforts going forward.
3: Thank you, Leah. It's a, I'm, I'm glad you, you, you caught that. We ourselves have been so pleasantly surprised and we have been able to engage uh, other members of the staff and it's had other benefits that even we didn't plan on. We've got members of our patient experience team who are delighted and they're calling people um, we mentioned that we're the central intake for all the donation offers to the hospital, but it's been a lot of other teams that have been, you know, talking to that donors that oh you've got you know PPE to donate well let me talk to you about that or gosh you'd like to develop meals let me tell you what our process is for that. It's gotten all these other people actually involved in talking to donors, and that's been extraordinary. But we have. Currently here in the in the office right now, a member of the radiology staff, I and mean, he helps patients when you know going between one part of the department and the other. And he's called, I think, I want to say like almost 75 different people over the past you know few weeks, and it's been extraordinary because he can speak directly from his experience working with patients. And then on top of that, when he's gone back out to talk to his colleagues in the hospital, they're like. You're working at the hospital, with the foundation. Well, what are they doing over there at the foundation? So he's been educating even our peers about what the foundation does, and that's actually have, has been very, very helpful. But we, we do agree. We think that if we can put together a group of folks who, on a part-time basis, are, you know, are open and ready to be trained to do some of these telephone calls, I know that our donors and these former patients are going to respond well to that. Um, and, again, it gives the entire organization an opportunity to learn more about what fundraising is, learn more about what this foundation does. Uh, And I think that's going to, again, have long-term payoffs, Especially because fundraising can so often look like that secret thing that that other department does down the hall and around the corner. We have no idea what happens, but money sometimes flies out of that office, but we don't know what they do. And we're engaging the rest of the staff, and they're going to learn what we do, that we actually do have a plan. We're not you know, making this up as we go along. We're, you know, we've got a, a structure in place, but we love to involve others in it. So it's been an exciting benefit.
0: Yeah. And Leah, I'll add to that, um, and I totally agree with everything that Marshall said. And, you know, there, there, there are other things that other organizations are doing where, you know, e- It really comes back to that authenticity. Right. And that's really what Marshall was talking about that authenticity, but you can even do things. um, Like, for example, have somebody record a broadcast message that can then be deployed. Um, Someone could record a video, you know, then using their, their smartphone. Um, to just offer sincere thanks, um, and, you know, that can be shared to, out to constituents, um, and, and, you know, it doesn't have to be polished, it doesn't need to be, you know, like, professionally produced, because it, it, it takes away from the authenticity, so there's things that you can do, even if you can't level leverage individuals to do one-to-one outreach, you can do one-to-many that feels like one-to-one.
1: Well, guys, thank you so much. Uh, we're just about out of time for today. So I want to personally thank you for joining us on today's podcast and sharing your experience with, you know, responding to COVID-19.
0: Absolutely, yeah, happy to be here. Thank you for the opportunity.
3: Agreed. It was my, my pleasure and happy to share some of the lessons that we've learned here at Virginia Hospital Center, uh, hopefully with the rest of the nonprofit community. And, and thank you for putting this podcast on, on a great resource for our community. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you so much. Um, so on behalf of Nonprofit Pro, and pursuant, we will see you on the next episode of the Nonprofit Chatter. Have a great day, everybody.